Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Thursday's edition of the Terrace Scotch Football Football. I don't know what that is. Football podcast. I Don't am, start, Gary. Strong yeah, start. No, I am your stumbling host, Gary Cocker, uh, and I am joined by two men who will hopefully not stumble as much as I will. So, first of all, you've already heard his voice tonight. It's Duncan McKay. Hello, hello, Duncan, and we're joined by a fellow graduate of Aberdeen University, Andy Harrow. Hello, hello, and you might wonder why is Gary bringing uh, alum. No, your alumni, uh, Alma Matters, that's it. Why is Gary bringing Alma this Matters? Is a really strong, this is a really strong start, Gary. <laughs> I had it all mapped out as well. It's just all gone to pot. But the reason that I'm bringing it up is because we are very briefly, uh, before we get on to our main item of the show today, going to touch on the news that rocked Scottish football world. Didn't really rock it. Maybe a, a little gentle uh, rocking like a baby's crib. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Aberdeen and Derek McInnes finally uh, parting ways. So as two men who have resided in the northeast and maybe know more Aberdeen fans uh, than most of us, I'd be interested to know what your reaction was to the news of uh, McInnes finally uh, shuffling off that uh, red coil. <laughs> that was that was something else, Gary. Uh, I, what my my thoughts on it are uh, kind of a bit mixed. I think. Uh, I was just looking, just had a look through Aberdeen's history and stuff. And aside from Alex Ferguson, he is he has been Aberdeen's longest-serving manager uh, in the post-Second World War period, which I thought was pretty remarkable, um, given that how much um, you know clubs have talked about for loyalty and stuff like that. Aberdeen, <laughs> Aberdeen are, are a club that don't mind um, getting rid of managers pretty quickly if. if uh, needs to be but uh, I thought um, Fowler's article 
uh, kind of uh, on the Scotsman this week uh, summed up pretty well is that um, you can you can overachieve by playing bad football, but you can't underachieve by playing bad football. Um, and three consecutive years of being below where you are in the league in terms of uh, you, the wages you're doling out uh, is a worrying trend, and it's kind of a, a lack of ideas. And you know, all football marriages end in disaster for one party or the other and Dave Cormack didn't seem to rate him or at least no as maybe not unfair maybe it was just a bit wary of him at least and I, and I think part of that is down to just the massive power base that McInnes made for himself Aberdeen in those those um what almost eight years I think it's not it's from things we've picked up on and stuff like that you know that, that he basically ran the entire show at the club for that time um, now, some people might say that's for better, that's for worse. I mean, that does feel like quite a, a Ferguson throwback. But uh, what I think I'm really struggling to come to terms with is how it's been reported in certain parts of the media, usually the former players and managers, you haven't kicked the ball in your puff, so what do you know sort of stuff, and saying that you know, that he, he's been hard done by. And, you know, that um, Derek McInnes was really loyal to, to Aberdeen Football Club, and, and this is the way they treat him on, on, on when they, they finally um, something's gone a bit wrong. I think that that idea is, is for the birds. I mean, he was paid handsomely, and I think very handsomely. I think it probably shock. Uh, people to see how much he was on if it, if the reputed stuff is true uh, and he had his contract renewed often it wasn't like uh, that he was uh, you know, in poverty wages and he turned down the approaches for Sunderland and Rangers because uh, because of that you know the, the, those he turned down those jobs because they weren't right for Derek McInnes not because they were the best thing for Aberdeen Football Club um, so I find yeah that that's kind of my my two cents on it I think the the point you make about his wages is, is particularly appropriate because I think the the rumor is that basically Aberdeen paid him what Sunderland would have paid him, uh, and anyone that's watched Sunderland till they die on Netflix will know that Sunderland um, are maybe not the most astute club in terms of planning their finances. So I imagine that certainly for a club that isn't Celtic Rangers in Scotland, Derek McInnes would have been uh, recompensed handsomely for his work, um, and the. And yeah, and one trophy to show for it. Like that—that's the like. I know that a lot that had some outstanding European performances and stuff like that. But you, you know, if you're a fan, you want the cup finals, and they sadly, and you, you can talk about the fact that they came up against this imperious thing. Well, they did, but that was only the second half of his reign. You know, the, the first half, and you know, he didn't build on that League Cup win, uh, despite the fact he was given more resources. Yeah. We shouldn't delve into it too much because obviously for those of you who are Patreon subscribers, uh, the Terrace Podcast on Tom Watts will be expertly guiding uh, Craig Fowler through the ins and outs of the McInnes era and maybe what's come next. But just before we go on to our main item, Andy, uh, I think something that always gets me, it's something that Duncan said or alluded to, is that people who are not fans of the club that somebody has managed always say, oh, we should have got more time or make slightly ill-considered comments about the, uh, you know, how lucky the club was to have X or Y as their manager, whereas the fans of said club who experience it week in, week out, are much more likely to go, what on earth are you talking about? Do you think this feels like a real case of that, given that Aberdeen have only scored one goal in, in nine games? I think so. Uh, the, the few Aberdeen fans I know... Uh, 
don't didn't seem massively disappointed at the end. Uh, there is a point. I mean, he's, he has been there uh, a long period of time for for a football manager. You know, a, a lot longer than most football managers get, and it just feels like he's worn out his his time. You know, his time's just kind of come to a natural end. Maybe the natural end was was the end of the season uh, rather than uh, a couple of months before the end of the season. But I, I think there's enough. There's enough criticisms you can lay at McInnes and how he's running Aberdeen at the moment to to think that they're as well trying something else. You know, they have got into a rut where they're they're going down the way. You know, they're they've had their run of finishing second and challenging Celtic. Either that's that's no you know, they're nowhere near challenging for the title. They're they've do- dropped from second to third and, you know, they're in a fight this season to to stay even in the, the top four. Um as Duncan says, they haven't really well they haven't come that close certainly recently um but they, they haven't won another league cup or a scottish cup since they they did it uh, all the way back in 2014 they've had some absolutely abject defeats and they you know they have lost to celtic and there was the you know the the final where rogic scored right at the end that was that was as close as they've really come and they probably deserve something out of that one but you know they had that miserable loss to motherwell in the semi-final, they've had some really poor performances where they've not turned up. Even against Celtic, you know, even Celtic have been at their sort of imperious best. There's been periods where they, you know, they they finished one final semi-final with against Celtic with nine men. You know, they haven't they haven't done themselves any favours, and there's a it feels like sometimes McInnes is just not known, not being able to get out of his own way with some of those uh, cup performances. Uh, and they've had, you know, in terms of other criticisms, they've the later years have been kind of characterised by players being played out of position. Greg Stewart a number of times, uh, substandard signings. Greg Stewart a number of times. You know, they, they they they've had he's had more misses than hits over that the most recent period, and it feels like whether or not players are responding to him in the same way that that might be part of it. You know, people that have been there for a long time maybe aren't taking to him in the same way that they were when he first came in. Some of the players they brought in obviously aren't aren't good enough to do what they're wanting to do. Um and, and I think it just stales the word that, that seems to be the case. You know, even even things like bringing in young players, I, I don't know if there's been as much of that under McInnes as you would you would ideally like. Um you know people like McKenna have all got stale. It, it just it just feels like it's the right time. And it, it doesn't happen as much in Scottish football as it does in English football because English football has sort of new owners coming in quite often, it seems like, who want their own man. And, and there, there is a... It doesn't happen, as I say, much in Scottish football, but it has happened in Aberdeen's case and there is a, an element of it where, like Duncan said, McInnes has so much control over things there, that so much control over stuff that actually he shouldn't have any control over, but, but he's got control over... Uh, how how the club operates and for somebody like Cormac coming in who seems to also want a lot of control and obviously he's putting money in it, it makes sense to bring in somebody who's a bit more aligned with with his vision of it and on uh on that particular note uh, I've, I've just looked up the the odds that you can get on the next permanent manager now as we all know um putting money on the next permanent manager uh is very very stupid because the odds are just they never really seem to align with who is actually appointed um, so I'm just going to give you the top eight names, I think, or the top either top eight or top ten 
because um, you can imagine that maybe it will be one of them. So Stephen Glass at the moment is the prohibitive favourite. So he's is, on is, is the fake guy off this list now? He is off this okay, list, okay. sadly. Um, I, I don't know if you can cash out if you've put money on Ross Nicholson. Um, but uh, you can still uh, get odds on the following. So I'd be interested to know, A, who you would appoint, and B, who you think uh, Dave Cormack will appoint because I imagine that the two might be slightly different. So Stephen Glass is the favourite, um, followed by Neil Lennon, Stephen Robinson, Darren Fletcher, Enzo Maresca, uh, who I think is Man City under twenty three coach, uh, Paul Sheeran, Jim Goodwin, Sean Maloney, Derek Adams, and Paul Lambert. Uh, beneath that is a list of the waifs and strays of management. Uh, you can get thirty three to one on Jim McIntyre if you fancy throwing money away. Uh, Duncan, who do you think will be appointed, but and who do you uh, or who would you want to see appointed if you were an Aberdeen fan? Uh, I think the, I think this is a difficult one. There's the, the, so much uh, is potentially tied up in this appointment as to what Aberdeen are going to become. Uh, you know, you know McInnes was heavily involved in you know the, the building of the training ground and and potentially the move away to the, the new ground. Is that what does what does Dave Cormack want from his managers? Does he want a manager? Does he just actually want a head coach? I mean, given the size of Aberdeen City and the region, um, yeah, yeah, and the potential for the club, um, I, yeah, I think you'd probably be looking more towards a head coach. In which case, I think Stephen Glass seems like a good move. Maybe I don't. We we just don't know. Um, I mean, I as far <laughs> what what I would say is I think. I think Dave Cormack is going to make a fist of this, and um, <laughs> and basically, uh, we we yeah, it's going to be fun. Mm. The, th- the thing I, that the thing with Cormack is that he seems to be the one who wants to be the personality. Uh, so he's it seems to all be about Dave Cormack. He's not going to be one of these guys who is kind of in the shadow. He'll appoint somebody and then he'll retreat into the shadows and you'll see him at an AGM and that's the only time. He'll, he'll be the one who is out front and centre all the time. So is he going what, to bring what, in... What, uh, would, would doing a press conference at the Dave Cormack training centre, you know, give, that, <laughs> you know, give, give any sort of... Uh... Yeah, that away. Well, that's the thing. Is he going to bring in somebody like? I mean, Lennon would obviously be a, a terrible appointment for a number of reasons just now. But is he going to bring in somebody like Lennon who has knows Zaz. how to have a bit of power? Yeah, and and uh, knows how to kind of operate the press and everything. Realistically, it's probably going to be somebody like a Stephen Glass who is is coming in as far as I can tell, fairly fresh and open to Cormac's ideas and things I would imagine. The, the thing that you get with Glass is that you get a bit of uh, additional time because A, nobody has any idea if he's any good and B, he's obviously got the, the Aberdeen connection. So yeah, he he would be fairly uh, high up in, uh, I thought it was good Goodwin would be the the sort of budget potentially alright option, I guess. I mean, he's, he's done an okay job with limited resources at St Mirren. Uh, and and if they're if they're looking for somebody who can probably do an okay job, then fine. And and might have a might have a high S ceiling that we, we don't know about because um, of the players he's working with. Uh, otherwise, I think a lot of the candidates are pretty either uninspiring or just impossible to imagine that they're they're going to pick them. It's not going to be Eddie Howe uh, as uh, as the, the Aberdeen Supporters Trust guy on Sportsline suggested. I mean, there's ambition, and then there's and then, one. So yeah, I mean that's because someone's put a bet on Eddie Howe. Like, yeah. There's there's been ambitious, uh, and then there's also 
not being particularly realistic and the idea that Eddie Howe is going to, I mean, the similarities between Bournemouth and Aberdeen are they're both by the sea and that's about it, I think. Yeah. And given that he got a nosebleed when he went to up north to, to Burnley, I'm not sure Aberdeen's going to be too good for him either. Yeah, I think uh, it makes, I think it both makes sense in a way and also you can see the you can see the logic in Dave Cormack's head, if that makes sense, for appointing Stephen Glass. That, that's probably the reason why he is the front runner. There's also that link-up strategic partnership, whatever they're calling it, between Aberdeen and Atlanta. And um, So you can see how that would all fit together. Of the names I read out, you could make an argument for Stephen Robson as well. Obviously, he will want to... Uh, he, he did want a break from football, but this would be an opportunity for him to maybe potentially step up a rung to hopefully if he can establish Aberdeen properly as the third force rather than finishing um, behind other clubs, then that would burnish his and, CV And he previously managed Motherwell, which was which was for a while prereq, was it? Yes, exactly. Um, managing that other strategic partnership that Aberdeen have. <laughs> so that would be an interesting one, but again, I, I don't think it will be um, that person. Obviously, we've, we've had a very unreliable source telling us it'll be Enzo Maresca, um, but I and that source has been wrong on many things. So. On many, many things. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But uh, while we are waiting to see, uh, what we are going to do is have another round of what we like to call the McBurney Index. So thanks to our good friend, Nary's Toe Poker, uh, who might also correct uh, changes to Barry's Tie Poker, uh, we have taken a look <laughs> at the out-of-contract players in the Scottish Premiership in summer 2021 and we have each identified three players so of the three players we've each identified there's one who we think their current club should move heaven and earth to try and re-sing one who we think should maybe get an extra year just to see if uh, they are really everything that they've cracked up to be and one who just needs to get the hell out of dodge um or in my case at least uh, get the hell out of ibrox so we will see uh, who we all have so andy uh you are on the left-hand side of my screen, so I'm coming to you first. Um, do you want to give me the player who you think needs to leave their current club? And if you do have this uh, set aside as well, who you think they could go to to resurrect things a little bit? Yeah, uh, so I've gone for Greg Kilty at Kilmarnock. Uh, I don't actually have a team specifically that I think he should go to, uh, but I think I've probably got a division that I think he should he should go to. Um, I... Uh, so I, I I spoke to Craig Anderson just to to get a sense from him because obviously Craig Anderson sees Greg Kilty a lot more than me. Um, f- from from my side of things, I I kind of think with Kilty, he he's now played over a hundred games for Kelly. Uh, he's played twenty five games this season, um, and he's finally had a bit of a consistent run in the team, which he hasn't always had, and he's been kind of farmed out and loaned to like some Morton and Dunfermline previously. Um, he is uh, generally played in the sort of number ten role and uh, also kind of out wide on the left. Uh, and, and he's had an okay season. He, he's he's had an all right season. He's weighed in with about five goals and he's had a couple of assists. And he's generally been one of Kamarnik sort of brighter sparks or brighter spots uh, this season in, a, in what has been a pretty bad season. Um, but I, I think there's a there's a few reasons why. It's probably worth Kilty having a fresh start. One, it feels like Kilty has been there for a long time. Um, and I think there's a degree of, almost similar to the, the McInnes thing, where there's a, a degree of you're just so used to them at this point that you don't really appreciate them in the same way that, that uh, you would maybe with a bit of a fresh start. Um, 
I think what, what Craig Anderson said actually about it was that um, the expectations at Kilmarnock amongst the supporters have almost been too high over that period. Um, he was a, a really explosive, sort of really exciting player before he had a, a serious injury. And since then, he's never been quite the same. But supporters maybe see him as, expect him to be at that level again and be as exciting uh, as that going forward. And it's just not quite been at that point. Um so I think there's a there's an element of it where it would just be a good opportunity for somebody who, who has proven now in the in the Premiership that he is a as a decent starter and is capable of doing a job for a, a bottom half team to try and go somewhere else um, and prove himself and get away from maybe the expectations of supporters um, and see what he could do. So so there's maybe a maybe a degree where a, a St Johnson. Or a, oh God, I hate to say Hamilton, but some somebody like somebody at the bottom, arguably a bottom six team. I know St. Johnson aren't necessarily there at the moment, but um, somewhere where he will be allowed to um, have a consistent run of games um, and see what he can do away from from where he's been used to, and, and hopefully also where he's not in, in danger of being farmed out and loan again. Because uh, I know that's where he said he's he, it's been his choice to some degree to go out and loan because he's wanted to have games and you would like to think now that he's had a decent run at Kilmarnock that he would get another stab at a, a premiership team he, he, his best spell maybe though has been the championship he was he was really good at Morton in 2019 uh, and Morton fans really liked him he was less effective at Dunfermline but again he's had that he's had that spell on the Kilmarnock team since then so he he's one where I think I'm not sure how much higher his ceiling is, to be totally honest. I don't know how how much better he'll be away from Kilmarnock, but I kind of feel it'd be, be better for him to at least try something else and see see what he can do under a, a different structure and a, a different environment, basically. Yeah, no, I think that makes total sense. I, I was going to make a, a bitter little jibe about if he hangs around at Killy long enough, he'll be playing in the championship anyway, but um, <laughs> but we'll move on from there um, before Craig Anderson slays me uh, about Dundee. So Duncan, uh, I'll go to you next. Who is your player that you've picked up who needs to uh, move on? So this player is Scott Brown. So he's out of contract this summer. I think that his... I mean, Scott Brown's the the you know the uh, tale of his demise has been told so many times, but I genuinely this time I think it is the case. Um, and no no amount of new manager is going to come in and reinvigorate that. And I think it, it just needs to be an end, a parting of the ways. Uh, I think the club needs to make the decision. Brown's clearly, clear, I don't think Brown would choose to leave if you know given the possibility I think he's he sees himself as being in with the bricks and and, and everything and that and, and you're involved in the coaching and stuff like that but I think for Celtic to have a clean break under this under this new regime under this new management under this new uh, director of football under this new uh, CEO like you you need you you, you can't be afforded to be bringing over own baggage, and I kind of think that's what Scott Brown is going to bring. Regard, like he uh, is so tied to the kind of nine in a row era team, um, he clearly has a lot of sway and influence uh, around the club, not just in the dressing room. And I just think that if you're a new manager, you don't need this sort of ghost of a footballer um, who. Yeah, just isn't doing it anymore. Like again, there are some players that uh, that definitely can 
you know, Liam Craig is an example there, a guy who's really like kind of looked looked like he was out on his arse and really struggling, but he's a he's a proper team player. Brown isn't quite that team player, like you know, that he will still want to play games even if his form isn't good enough. And I think that's damaging. And I think that, that Celtic are where they are is because they've not been able because they've been too sentimental, believe it or not, for Celtic Football Club, uh, around uh, Brown's position. And he needs to go, I'm not sure to who, but um that's that's my issue. My question was going to be I mean, obviously Brown turns thirty six, I think, in the summer. Um so He's at the age where he could maybe, if he wanted to, um, I was going to say he, he could uh, spend a year at his boyhood club. Uh, my guess is that might not happen in this case. Um, but equally, he, he could take the choice to move uh, upstairs or uh, into the back room, whatever you want to call it. But from the sounds of what you're saying, you're, you don't think that that's necessarily what he should do. It's better for him to... I think a clean break is absolutely necessary. I think I think uh, Neil Lennon is the prime example of what happens when that you know a, a former club legend that whose legs have gone is still hanging around the club. You know, involved in I think Neil Lennon was was reserved was involved in the reserve team. So it, it, what it does is it creates such an easy option for the club if they are to to get rid of the manager, and which they, the Celtic that you know, Tony Mowbray was the right the the uh, wrong man for the club but at the same time as you've got a ready-made easy replacement that kind of unthinking and I don't think that's what Celtic needs Celtic need to make be making coherent conscious decisions as opposed to the path of least, least resistance and I think that's what the path of least resistance has been the has been their deciding factor over the last two three years and I think that they need a complete clean break from that so you know, he's a he's a five boy with Dunfermline. You know, and for get involved in as assistant manager there or whatever. I don't know. Like I think that, uh, yeah, I, whether he chooses a clean break or goes straight into management, I'm not sure. But um, I think he just also I think for his own development, it'd be good to be away from Celtic. He's been Celtic now for since what 2007. That is you know a lengthy period of time. He should probably want to see how other clubs operate. Yeah, that was when I left high school. So. That's uh, that's definitely been long enough for him. He could, of course, go back to Hibs as a coach. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's I've a given you that offer, Duncan. Um, you can take it or leave it. It's up to you. Um, but I will give you my players. So I have gone with Greg Stewart at Rangers. So the reason for this is twofold. So I think he was a sensible enough signing for Rangers at the time. I think it was a a case of Rangers slowly but surely trading their squad up the way. Um, but now, clearly, the, I think the squad's gone beyond Greg Stewart. You only have to look at the game time he's had this season compared to last season. I think last season he had about 20 games in total um, where he at least came off the bench for Rangers this season. It's a handful of games, I think three or four games in total. So he's clearly not in Stephen Gerrard's plans anymore. I think if you have a look at the players who have come in, obviously this season, um, you know, Kimar Roof's come in, Cedric Hitton, um, you know, you've got Yanis Hadji. So there's loads of players who can play in that front three who are ahead of Greg Stewart in the pecking order. And I think I saw somewhere that he's on something like seven or eight grand a week. So he's on the type of wages that a lot of the, you know, players like Kamara and uh, Joe Rebo are on anyway. So I just feel like Rangers, they're clearly not going to, have him in their plans for next season. He's on a decent enough wage that they could look to bring somebody else in or, or use that money uh, to uh, tie down uh, other players on longer contracts as well. 
So it makes sense for Rangers to, to not offer him a new contract. And obviously for Greg Stewart, he's 30 years old now. He will leave the season with a league winner's medal in his pocket. So uh, that's something. And that's assuming, of course, uh, I can't remember if Scotland's got the same rules that England do about the number of medals that are given to, to clubs to hand out to players or not. But he will have a league winner's uh, line on his CV at least. So he'll be leaving with that. Obviously, he's it's... I assume even taking into account the the mad wages that are offered in the championship, uh, I'm sure it eclipses uh, what he earns uh, at other clubs as well. And at 30 years old, he's still got time to sort of write a a new chapter in the book and also get regular game time. So in terms of where he goes next, I imagine it's still got to be to a club that will offer pretty high wages um, and maybe a club where uh, names are pre perhaps prioritise over uh, recent form. So far better to go than Heart of Midlothian Football Club um, when they <laughs> uh, inevitably get promoted this season. I think it does make sense, given that at the moment Hearts are handing out contracts like likes of Elliot Freer. Greg Stewart's a trade-up on that. Yeah. Um, I, I do still think that he's a really good standard Scottish Premiership player for a team like Hearts, who will be hoping to do something similar to what Dundee United have done, which is to finish comfortably mid-table next season, Greg Stewart could be a a decent part of that too. I think the idea of Stewart going to... If I was Stewart, the idea of going to Hearts would fill me with dread. I just, it, feels like, <laughs> it, it feels like for Stewart, he's, I think his next step is to go somewhere where he is going to be the, the key man. I think, I think he's, for too long, been at teams where he's a kind of bit part player or, or one element of what what they need and I think he needs to go somewhere where he's going to be appreciated a wee bit more I mean I feel at Hearts especially just now is the place where wingers go to die Like, uh, so I, I don't know if <laughs> the idea of, of uh, Stuart going there is going to it's going to help his career um, but yeah I mean he obviously needs to get out of of, uh, of Rangers but I don't know I would maybe say even, even somewhere like uh, Motherwell to to pick a name completely at random, or or Dundee United. I think I think there's maybe a better option there for him. It, it just feels like he's kind of been pinging backwards and forwards between sort of the the bigger names, if that's if that's fair, and you can still say that about that that about Hearts and in the championship. Uh, and yeah, maybe maybe somewhere where he's a bit less in the spotlight might might do him uh, some favours. I mean, if he ended up back at Aberdeen again, I'd think we'd, we'd, we'd all laugh. Um, but uh, I imagine that he's he's had his time in the North East. He, he can't be bothered with that anymore, even though Derek McInnes has now left. But uh, we've we've gone through the players who maybe need to uh, need to move on. So let's pick some players who are maybe a little bit not on the cusp necessarily, but where it's maybe getting to make or break time for them, um, where the an extra year could be what's needed to prove that you see it is worth keeping them at the club. Uh, or a, even a little bit of a last chance saloon. So if you'd like, I'm happy to kick off uh, this section. So the player I've picked is Jordan White. So this is more from a, a positive interpretation of this category, if you will. So uh, I've picked this because he's he's gone into Ross County uh, and he's done what um, sort of lazy pundits would say, who could have foreseen him doing this? Everybody could have foreseen uh, Jordan White signing from uh, Motherwell going on to probably help keep Ross County safe. Um, I think for Ross County, it would be very interesting to see if Jordan stay in this form over the, the longer piece. And I think as well as that, that if you're a club like Ross County and you've got a player who is a fairly regularly and reliably uh, tucking it away for you, then you might as well keep him. 
Um, there's no argument whatsoever for him to not get an extension, but at the same time, I don't think necessarily he's the type of player where other clubs might be coming in to, to try and poach him uh, from underneath your noses just yet. So it, it makes sense for Jordan White as well. Um, he was becoming a little bit of a punchline at Motherwell, uh, and he's absolutely reversed that and made Motherwell the punchline of his goals almost um, by what he's done for County. So I think it makes sense to, to give him another year and, and see if it's... Uh, simply a, a flash in the pan or, or something a bit more sustained. Uh, we'll reverse the order and go to Duncan for his uh, player who might need a, another chance. So his contract is expiring this summer and he is currently doing the business on loan for Hamilton. It's Bruce Anderson. Now, I think we're seeing at Hamilton there is a player there and the, the, the one that Aberdeen fans have been threatening is, has been there for, for ages. Uh, it, it just it just seemed towards the end anyway, uh, and it's all and it's all changed. New, I wouldn't be making this recommendation a week ago, uh, but now that now that McInnes is gone, I, I suspect that there was a feeling that that his face didn't quite fit uh, under McInnes. Whether I'm not sure, for whatever reasons, you know, probably due to the fact that he was quite young uh, and, and not proven. He wasn't a grizzled grizzled veteran um, that that McInnes likes to to buy for the fourth type fourth spell at Aberdeen. Um, and I kind of feel for for Aberdeen, there's potentially kind of parallels with with Lauren Shankland, in the sense that you, I'm not saying that Bruce Anderson's going to be leading the line at the 2026 World Cup for Scotland or anything like that, but just this idea that clearly a player there with a lot of potential for at Aberdeen, but has had some middling loan deals. Uh, it doesn't seem to really be cutting it. Do you want? Do you want to do what happened to Shankland and just you know let him go, and then this player comes, goes, and rebuilds his career that I think he's he's potentially quite capable of. So if I was Bruce Anderson, I would be looking for an extra year's security, Aberdeen, an opportunity to impress a new manager. Um, you kind of nothing, nothing lost, nothing gained. You know, from from taking a deal if it's offered. I mean, again, the, the, the problem Anderson's going to have at the moment is that if a new manager's appointed in the next few weeks is that he is going to be playing for Hamilton and is he going to be properly watched by his new manager? And that, So that, that'll be a bit of anxiety to, to, to him at the moment. But maybe that will uh, hopefully push him to, to put out the sort of performances that we know he is capable of showing and he just needs to do it on a more reliable basis. Yes, um, and I think with... I, think so, yeah, I thought you were so wowed there by my, uh, my, my arguments. It was a little bit of that, but also a little bit of it. I thought Andy was about to come in, um, so it, <laughs> I, was, you were. I was <laughs> overly polite. Yes. Um, but no, I think everything you've said is right. And the other thing is that for, for a club like Hamilton, I think that obviously this season they've had Ross Callaghan uh, fairly reliably and, and regularly chipping in with goals. But other than that... It, has tended to be a bit of a rolling, rotating cast of of players coming in, and they've not had that reliable person. And if Hamilton are ever going to progress beyond um, being the club that everyone says surely this will be the year that they're relegated, um, then what they need to do is find players like. I don't think that's going to happen, but uh, yeah. Well, yeah, you never know. You never know. Um, but that's the next step that Aki's need to take, which is you know it's it's maybe not the most massive step, but. Well, it would be for them. I think it would be for them to not see themselves as perennial relegation battlers would be a huge 
it would yeah. be a huge step and it would be pretty remarkable, all told. Yeah. And I think part that's partly because I think the way that Hamilton structure their finances is such that they can they could cope if they were relegated. Um, and it's a, it's a conscious decision they take, which uh, then maybe gets you into the vicious circle of because that's the way that you structure the playing side of things. You can never really crack yeah. onto the next level. Yeah, you're, you're always going to be banging your head against that ceiling. But yeah. again, and yeah, I can understand. You know, it's yeah, it's chicken and egg, isn't it? Yeah, and, and they obviously balance it against their because um, they have quite a lot of uh, community projects and they put Pandemite quite a lot into the like that, yeah. into youth development as well. So it, it would be a bit of a sea change, and we would probably be the first ones to be sitting around uh, the virtual table next year, going, "What were they thinking, breaking the bank?" Saying Bruce Hansen, <laughs> they've been relegated. Everything's been shut down. Hope CBD have removed their sponsorship. They don't want to be associated with this club. Um, but um, but I think it it would be. An excellent move for Hamilton, at least, and for Bruce Anderson, as you say, a, a chance maybe to uh, get some game time and to, to prove himself. Um, Andy, who have you popped into this? I have gone for Guy, or is it Guy Melamed? Uh, I say Guy. Guy. Well, let's go with Guy, because I don't know. So let's let's say Guy. That sounds like it's probably... It doesn't right. quite work for the Guy heart, though, does it? Like, it's for the, for the film memes, memes. No, that's true. Yeah. But well, let's, Mr. Melamed. Yes, let's, Mr. Melamed. He, uh, yeah, he's been interesting. Uh, he's got five goals in his thirteen appearances so far. I think that's been eight starts uh, and five sub appearances. Um, he came with a sort of like a decent reputation from uh, the Israeli club that he was at uh, prior to St. Johnson signing him. Um, Obviously, as part of this, he's obviously out of contract at the end of the season, and it feels a wee bit like it was a bit of a a bit of a mid-season flyer for St. Johnson, and it so far appears to have worked. He um, he scored goals with sort of his left foot, uh, his right foot, and he's he's got a heady goal as well. So he's uh, not reliant on kind of being one-footed to get all his chances. He is is pretty skillful. He's able to create a wee bit of space. You saw it with um, the goal as well that he scored against Hamilton. That uh, he's got a pretty good technique. Uh, in fact, his goal against Motherwell as well. So the, the one against Hamilton was the one that kind of came across his shoulder, and he hooked it in. Um, with his uh, with his right foot, and then the goal against Motherwell was the one where he kind of cut inside uh, on the edge of the box and, and fired it into the top uh, top right hand corner. So he there's definitely something there about him, um, but he there is the danger of him being potentially a flash in the pan, and I think that's why you you would given given his performances so far. Uh, he is is worth a punt, I think, without any doubt for for next season. I think he's shown enough. I think getting five goals when you're coming into a brand new league is uh, no easy no easy job. Um, and I think there's there's enough there that you think there's there's maybe a chance that St Johnson have got somebody really good. The concerns would be that some of these some some guys do come in to a new club and uh, are amazing for a couple of months and then you know once defenders have figured them out are less impressive the second second go round um he's not particularly effective in the air i think i watched him in uh, y scout and i don't think he's won a header in scottish football yet he's he's about 3 meters away from the ball every time it comes through so He's, uh, he's not somebody who's going to be a big target man for you and I guess he's, he's somebody that you'll potentially play either out wide or, or as part of a two 
So he's not he's not going to be somebody that uh, he's not going to be one of those kind of Cosgrove types that you can you can maybe build a a strike force around perhaps. Um, and uh, and as I say, there's just a degree that that guys the teams might figure him out next season. You know, if they can keep him out of the box, then is he going to be much of a threat? Possibly not. It doesn't seem to have a lot of pace necessarily. Um, so. Yeah, he he's an interesting option, and he's a bit of a he's a bit of a wild card. And I think St. Johnson it, it would be smart for them to give him a shot next season and see how he goes. Uh, and I guess even if it was just a one year deal, there's not a massive amount of risk. If it turns out that he's still just as good in the sec- the first half of next season, then you maybe try and tie him up so that either you can keep him there for longer or you can actually sell him on at the uh, at the end of the season. So yeah, he would be he'd be my choice. And I suppose there's an element of having picked up the League Cup prize money, mm-hmm. you can possibly spend a little bit more. Obviously, we know that St. Johnston are run very, very tightly, but just having that extra bit of cash uh, might be might be the difference between being able to offer improved terms if, if needs be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And if they keep giving contracts to uh, Murray Davidson, who I don't think has ever had a complete season at St. Johnston, then... Yeah. Uh, and, they and I mean, they've had Kane for however long he's been there. I mean, yeah, they, uh, to be fair, you put that, you put season, that in so. St. Johnston's <laughs> favour as they do. They do seem to want to persevere with strikers once they get to Perth. <laughs> exactly. They look after their own. So let's now go through this. This will probably be the, the shortest part of it in a way, uh, because I think we're all probably just going to, to wax lyrical about uh, a couple of players who, if they can be secured by their current club, they absolutely should be moving heaven and earth to do that. Um, so, Duncan, I'll, I'll come to you first. Who have you got as a, an absolute priority? Well, I'm I'm sticking close to home and sticking with Hibs, and it's uh, obviously going to be Jackson Irvin. Um, I think that don't really <laughs> need to say much more than that. Just that, um, just a, a immensely. Uh, uh, immensely good player. That's terrible English. Uh, but you know that th- he's enhanced Hibs play already, uh, and I still don't think he's quite up to full fitness yet. Uh, just he's gives an extra dimension to Hibs midfield, gives us a uh, bigger ability to, to do something different. Um, it, you know, if you sign him, what it allows you to do elsewhere on the pitch. You hasn't you because he doesn't have as many flaws as other players, so you're not having to buy maybe two or three others to to as composites to kind of make make things up. So uh, yeah, I, I rate him. I don't do not rate his moustache. He needs that to get that go. Uh, that might I, I would make that condition of uh, contract extension. But um, yeah, I think that given the players that are out of contract this summer, I mean, all three hips goalkeepers are uh, are expiring but uh, and, which I've got a sneaky suspicion Ophir Marciano might be going to Celtic um, just because that would be exactly a good it works for both clubs in terms of tying them over um, You know, but again I think goalkeepers aren't as uh, they are essential obviously but I think the, the drop off in terms of quality in terms of who you need to resign uh, is not the same as Put this way, there's not that many. There's not as many uh, Jackson Irvins on the market that are going that Hibs can afford. Uh, so I think affordability will be the issue. But if it's not, and you know, maybe Ron will, um, you know, Ron Gordon's uh, warm words will finally come to actually uh, fruition, and we actually will uh, bust the bank from. 
You say there's not that many Jackson Irvins, but there's also uh, quite a lot of Aaron Chapmans out there. So be careful what you wish for, Duncan, when it comes to goalies. <laughs> um, I mean, that's that's quite interesting because I was thinking, uh, when I was pulling together my list, I knew they went with Ophir Mar- uh, Marciano uh, for mine. Um, so I'm just quite interested in your in your logic that uh, um, because I don't, because I think if he, there's going to be a lot of movable parts, but I think you, if he, if if uh, Marciano can't, can't, the terms can't be reached, which you know I think uh, over a year ago it looked like it wasn't like it looked like he wasn't going to be around much longer anyway. Um, you know, that wouldn't surprise me if he'd gone a couple of transfer windows ago. Um, so Matt Macy seems like a fairly good backup. There's always the English loan market to get keepers from, and and everything we hear about uh, Big Kev from his time at Dumbarton and previously at Cowdenbeath suggests that he is a player that is probably worth keeping uh, around. Now, whether that happens will we'll remain to be seen. Well, for for mine, uh, I mean, my my player that I have got is a Motherwell player, but I just also want to comment on the sheer number of players that Motherwell have uh, running out of contracts at the end of the season because it is insane. Um, I mean, there's one player that I could have picked, but uh, um, I I don't feel that you can really pick lone players. would have been Liam Kelly uh, if there was a way for Motherwell to to keep him on board, um, particularly given Scott Fox and Aaron Chapman or two of their other goalies uh, running out of contract at the end of the season. Um, Then I would say that they should absolutely do that. I've not picked him. I also haven't picked Declan Gallagher because I think that as much as as much as he contributes on the pitch, I feel like it feels a little bit as if Declan Gallagher has decided that he will be moving on in the summer, and it's maybe best to uh, cut your losses in a way uh, and just and let the inevitable happen there. So I didn't pick him. Who I have picked is someone who I think does, despite the fact that he does get praise a lot, still flying slightly under the radar, uh, and it's Alan Campbell. So I think we've we've talked quite a lot on this podcast before about what would actually be the sensible next move for Alan Campbell. You know, would it be uh, moving to uh, the English lower leagues? I think it was Millwall, maybe, uh, had a bid for him. I can't remember if it was accepted or if he turned down the contract offer, but something happened in the January transfer window anyway. Um, so that's one option. Another option is moving to perhaps the next the next tier up uh, within Scottish football. So if you know an Aberdeen or uh, Aberdeen or Hibs came in for him as well. Although I think I think the development fee is what's going to scupper that. Yeah, and so it's I think what's not been explored that much is whether or not he would actually want to extend the stay massively at Motherwell. Uh, and I think that maybe it now looks as if uh, Motherwell are, are going to be clear of the relegation battle. Um, you would imagine that Graham Alexander will want to ring in the changes, uh, given that he's he's basically coming and had to work with what he's got, uh, and that with the number of players who are out of contracts at Motherwell in the summer, he'll have a chance to really, you know, totally uh, dismantle that team and put his own stamp on it. And whenever any of us have seen Motherwell without Campbell this season, there were a couple of games earlier in the season when he wasn't in. They just you could cut through them uh, like a hot knife through butter. And he is so pivotal to the way that that Motherwell team works. And similar to what you were saying about Jackson Irvin, Duncan, there's you know there's not that many Alan Campbells out there. Um, and with that development fee obstacle as well, maybe Motherwell could you know as clubs do tend to do whenever they are negotiating contracts, have a, a bit of a gentleman's agreement that 
you know, if you sign this contract for, you know, this two-year or three-year contract, if we get a bid over this amount um, from anybody, then, you know, we will uh, we'll give you that opportunity to move on. Obviously, whether or not Alan Campbell feels like that's the right thing for him to do is another matter, but he is still quite young, um, still got an opportunity to keep putting himself in the short window, but I know that he might he might view it as stagnating a little bit to stay there. But. Yeah, absolutely. But then again, I think that we we don't really know what the market for free agents is going to look like this summer. I mean, I think Stephen O'Donnell is the cautionary tale, I suppose, <laughs> this, this year. You know, I don't think if you'd said to him, well, yeah, at this point last season, at this point last year even, uh, we were probably thinking that the Rona was on its way, but you know that we didn't necessarily think it was going to have this, the the impact it has. That he would be have signed two contracts at Motherwell. Um, I don't think that's where he saw his career going, and so I think there there is an element that how I suppose that a lot of it depends on what Alan Campbell wants for for himself and where he sees his career going. He could decide that he really wants to back himself and is just going to allow us just go to free agency and just see what happens, but. Uh, I think it is risky at the moment. I th- you you don't you just don't know what people's living and family situations are like as well. And sometimes guaranteed money is uh, you know significantly more appealing than than risking it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think with Campbell, there's the I think you'll be helped by by the Turnbull transfer. And I, I, I know there are different players and everything, but I think I think if. Teams, teams will gamble in somebody like Campbell, I think, because it may well obviously be cheap to to non-existent cost-wise. Um, it, it'll be a, a pretty low-risk um, signing for somebody and with a potentially really high upside. And I think that's what I think that's why if if um, Campbell did end up uh, not signing on at Motherwell uh, and kind of looking to go somewhere else. I'd imagine there's kind of a half-decent-sized team that would would take a punt on him, uh, I'd assume down south, and see what they got. And, yeah, the, the issue with Campbell is that it might not work out and he, he comes back and he ends up playing with St Mirren in two years' time. That's the that, that's the <laughs> risk. But um, but they'll be top four by then, so that's probably. Oh, that's good. true. That's true. Them and Hamilton. Um, but that's that's going to be the that's going to be the the risk further down the line. But I think at the moment, I think the fact that you've seen how well uh, Turnbull's done, having come out of that Motherwell midfield and gone into the Celtic midfield, that well Campbell, as I say, is a different player. There's an element of well, if if he can do it, then and this guy's also highly rated, then there's a. And there's enough, you know, there's enough evidence of of Campbell being excellent at Motherwell, and and as Gary said, he's such an important player to them that if I was if I was in charge of a, a team in the championship, I would a hundred percent give a give him a a good offer contract wise in order to tempt him down and, and see how he gets on. Well, no, sorry, there you go. I was actually just going to move on to onto your pick, Andy. Um, but feel, feel free to link it in any way you possibly no, can oh, to, no, to no. Alan Campbell. Well, we, f- we found on that podcast I did with Telford and Sean that my uh, the less linking I do, the better. So uh, my uh, my choice is John Guthrie, and I think I get it. The interesting thing with these guys is that we're almost coming at these ones from a kind of club perspective, and that it's it's good for the club to sign these guys. Uh, Whereas maybe with some of the other people we've talked to, it's it's either a mutual thing or it's actually beneficial for the player if they if they either leave or sign. Um, I think for and, and this one I think is probably more important for Livingston than it is for Guthrie 
but I think I think there was a bit of benefit for him too. Uh, so obviously for a bit of background, Guthrie was last year's player of the season. Uh, he started off a bit slower this year, and the same with Livingston, started off a bit slower, uh, but he has come back onto a game uh, over the last few months, uh, and it's kind of back to being a kind of commanding presence in their team. Uh, he is uh, not only just a kind of excellent defender uh, on the left side and a kind of de facto leader, but he's also the joint top scorer, I think, at the moment with five goals alongside Scott Pittman, which is actually quite an important element to, to why I think Livingston probably need him. So, I, I guess from, from Livingston's point of view, there's a few reasons. One, obviously, he's, he's proven to be an excellent player, and I think if you've got the opportunity to keep somebody who is basically the fulcrum of that defence, like he is the guy who could potentially be there for the next two or three years and, and you can build around. You don't have to worry basically about centre-half, even if they bring in somebody less experienced or on paper worse. You've got somebody there who can probably bring them up to a decent standard. You're not having to, to kind of start from scratch there. Um, and it it means you've still got that important leader and that important voice in the dressing room. Um I think obviously David Martindale obviously trusts him as well, um, which is not to be sniffed at. He's got a lot of experience uh, and I think it means they can kind of focus on other areas that they need to strengthen. You know, as I said, in terms of strikers, they um, have kind of whiffed on that a wee bit this season. Having Guthrie there has helped, um, but they they need to find somebody. They, They haven't found that person that's replaced Lyndon Dykes understandably because how do you play somebody who is that that important to your team and it has showed at times I think this season but they need to be able to focus on that a wee bit more uh, maybe focus on uh, some wingers or focus on centre forwards who are maybe going to provide a wee bit more of that spark for next season this season they've sort of ended up having to rely on folk like Guthrie and, and being solid uh, in order to to keep them up and, and get goals and people who like Guthrie can get goals from different areas but I don't think that's necessarily a recipe that's going to be a, keep you safe and keep you in that top six on a, a long-term basis. So having a, basically having sorted out the centre-half issue for next season and then allow you to focus on other areas where you're, you're going to uh, need to strengthen, I think is quite important. And I think, you know, I think he's just going to be solid. I don't think, I don't think there's any doubt there's going to be a huge drop-off. I think this season we kind of saw there was a wee drop-off with Guthrie, but he's bounced back again, and I think that's probably what you're going to get from him uh, over the next few years, if you were managing uh, to keep him for any length of time. Well, if, if any of these players happen to be listening and want us to take on the regent duties, we're, we're all available for a fairly handsome price, but it'll be worth it because we'll we'll sort you out. We'll get to, so, you'll get to stay at Livingston if you take us on. <laughs> what an incentive. Exactly. That's the italics, uh, the motto in italics just under our names on the business cards. Um, but we've, uh, we've horrendously uh, ran over time, so that means that we won't, unfortunately, be able to cover uh, the next game on the uh, most memorable Scotland uh, games list, but rest assured that we will, well, maybe not us, but someone in the future uh, will be there to talk to you about the next game, and I, I can't even give you any clues. Um, um, but 
for those of you who were around for uh, the, the early 90s, it will be perhaps a little treat for you. But um, we will have to leave it there, gents. So we are going to hop over to the Patreon, uh, where we will be talking about the Scotland national team, um, but it will be Andy and I humming and hawing over which player Duncan has picked at random uh, as we try to guess them through a series of uh, very generic questions. So if you want to hear me ask, did this player ever play abroad or did this player ever play for hearts or hips, then just chuck us a couple of quid. Um, on our Patreon and you'll be able to hear that in all its Technicolor glory. Um, But until then, uh, thanks for listening and thanks Andy and Duncan for coming with your uh, agent pitches. A real pleasure, Gary. It's always a pleasure talking to you both. Um, So we will uh, leave it there, but enjoy your football uh, this weekend and we will speak to you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.